Since you became a Christian, how is your life different? Is there any obvious, noticeable difference? Now, the second thing I want you to be thinking about while we're talking today, what do you think caused that change? So you got two things that I want you to be focusing on. You can go ahead and listen to me too, but I want you to be focusing on these two things. How is your life different since you became a Christian? And what motivated the change? Well, we're, uh, we're in the eighth chapter of Luke, as Aaron said. And so I want to share the first three verses with you. I'm just going to pick this up a little bit at a time. <clears throat> After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out, Joanna, the wife of Cuzza, the manager of Harold's household, and Susanna, and many others. The women were helping to support them out of their own means. Now, I've never been able to read this into it, but I've read several commentaries that say that these women were probably either wealthy or at least well-to-do. Now, if a person's wealthy, in all probability, they either inherited it or they have adopted a kind of a conservative lifestyle where they don't go out and spend money for every little possibility that comes along. But what motivated Mary to open up her purse to Jesus? Now, she had been completely healed and it changed her value system. In other words, the things that she was using her life for before all of a sudden didn't seem to be important anymore. Money was no longer for accumulating wealth. Money was for advancing the cause that this prophet of God had used to change her life. Now, money does have a, have a purpose. And for everybody who has been born again, our value system changes. Sometimes I've never I've never seen I've never experienced this really, but some people seem to change just just like a flash, just like that. They're a brand new person. You can't even recognize them for the old person they used to be. Didn't happen to me, but there was a change, and all of a something all of a sudden something was motivating me differently than what had motivated me previously. I had a new value system. There was something that I had uh, received since I became a Christian that I didn't have before. And when I talk about the fact that our value system changes, that means that the things that we used our life for, the things that we were spending, spending every day for, no longer seem to motivate us. Well, 
I guess maybe if you had seven demons cast out of you, it'd probably change your lifestyle too, wouldn't it? But this was uh, the thing that happened to her, and it's the thing that happens to us when we are born again. She was a giver. I would expect if she was a conservative person that she didn't go out and buy every little tinker that was available, that she was rather conservative with it. But she recognized that the tithe belonged to God. It's his. He claims it's holy and special unto him. And he wants to use it to advance what he's doing in this world. In fact, we learn something different when we become Christians. It's not just the tithe, but all of a sudden we, became, we become aware that it all belongs to God. And all we are is just stewards. And God wants to, God holds us accountable for what kind of stewards we are. Well, we're going to go a little further in the book of Luke now, beginning in chapter, in verse 4. What motivates us to be good stewards? While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town to town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow the seed, and as he was scattering, the birds of the air ate it up. Some fell among rock, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell upon uh, among thorns, which grew up and choked them out. And some other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than what had been sown. Now, We've had the privilege of hearing the word of God. But what kind of heart did it fall on? Um, I want to take a look at these. There's four of them, four different things that are mentioned here. I want to take a look at them separately. When he said this, Jesus called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, the disciples have heard this parable, and they're probably just like us. Well, what does that mean? What's supposed to change with me now that I've heard what you had to say? And so, beginning with the 11th verse of chapter 18 of Luke, Jesus says, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. And so whenever we hear the word of God, some seed is being planted in our lives. You know, it's not man's word, nor the words that you hear from the world's philosophers that's going to change a whole lot. And that means that it's going to be God's word that bears fruit in our lives if we have received it properly. Now, when we make statements concerning the word of God, by the way, this is an important point I want you to really get. When we make a statement concerning the word of God, 
we need to be share need to be sure that scripture supports it because if it doesn't we don't have any more to say than some of the greatest philosophies alive over in 1 Corinthians 10:13 Jesus says well let me make the statement first and then then I'll use the scripture Do you know that God will never let you go beyond what you can handle as far as handling temptations concerned? Jesus promised that. He would never let you go beyond what you could handle. Now, how do I know that? Well, in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it says, there has no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not let you be tempted above your able, but will with the temptation make a way to escape that you might be able to bear it. Boy, I tell you, that means a lot to me because since I became a Christian, temptation still hangs around. It's not a whole lot different living in the world than it was before I became a Christian, except for the resources I have to know how to handle it. Okay, here's uh, verse 12. Those along the path are the ones who hear. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart and as so that they may not believe and be saved. Well, there are some people who hear the gospel and they claim to believe it, but there's no life change. Something's wrong. And then we go down to verse 13. Those are the rock, uh, those on the rock are those who receive the word with joy, and when they hear it, they have no root. They believe for a while. But in time of testing, they fall away. Now, I want to I put this seed back in that I planted a little bit earlier when we was talking about Mary Magdalene. When Jesus cast out those seven demons from her, I mean, there was something happened in her heart that gave her entirely new focus of life and she was able to handle life according to her new life because of what had happened in her heart. Now, it may sound good to a lot of people to say, well, yeah, I realize that God loves me and yeah, I know that God is able to forgive all of my sins And yes, um, I I understand that he told me that when I put my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I can plan on spending all eternity with him. But you know, when we become a Christian, this new life requires some changes in us too. That's when when one seriously questions whether or not he made the right choice when you begin to see the changes 
that the Lord expects to take place in your newborn life. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You know how I handle some of these temptations? Um, This may be something you can use too. Now, I became a Christian when I was 14 years old. I won't tell you how long ago that was. But I was 14 years old. And uh, I had a godly woman teaching me in our Sunday school class that I went to. She was, she was quite an inspiration. Now, when I became a Christian, I realized to some extent that I was turning my life over to Jesus. I realized that there was going to have to be some changes in my life. And so as I began to make these changes, I run up against some of the same temptations we all do. You know how I handled it? Every time I found myself falling back into a temptation from the old life, I said, whoa, I'm not like that anymore. And it helped. It got me back in focus. And I was able to go on the way I was planning on going. Well, let's go to verse 14. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked with life's worries and riches and pleasures, and they do not mature. Life gets pretty full, doesn't it? Now, some of you uh, have children, and when children came into your life, it made some changes, it made some new demands upon your life. But there's some responsibilities in life that does not change unless we are willing to give up some of the things out of our worldly lifestyle, and if we don't, life becomes overwhelming. People may give up Bible study because kids are taking too much of their time. Work is a pain. Some of the relationships have gone sour. And they give up fellowship with other Christians. And boy, we we need fellowship with other Christians because uh, uh, I, I like to recommend that people have a mentor if they're not already a mentor. And that's someone they respect and look up to that whenever they run up against some of these problems in the world, they can have someone to go to for help. But again, a person might be kind of tempted to reevaluate and say, you know, I'm not sure I'm ready for this new life at all. Well, the devil never gives up, does he? He's always there trying to tempt us. Let me share you another goodie out of Scripture. This is found over in Hebrews 13, 5. Jesus made us so many good promises. He said, you know, I will never 
never leave you or forsake you. Well, I tell you, I've relied on that verse so much. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Whenever things seem to be getting out of control, I always know where to go to get back on track. You go to Jesus because he said, I'll always be there. You can always find me. All you have to do is just let me know and I'll be there for you. Well, now we go to verse 15. This is the, you know, this this parable is the first parable that Jesus ever taught. And there's only seven parables in all of scripture, but this is the first one he ever taught. And it's so important that we understand the point that he's trying to make. And I'll try to make that a little clearer in just a little bit. But the seed on good, uh, on good soil stand for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and, and by persevering, produce a good crop. So I'd say today that every one of us is in one of these four areas uh, as far as the kind of soil uh, that we're building our lives upon. But these last ones are those who have made a firm decision as to where they stand. They hear the word of God. They commit themselves to keep the word of God. And they're determined that by the grace of God, they're going to live the word of God out in their life. The world no longer tempts them to go back to the old way they used to live. Now, I want to get you back in focus again. You see, when we, uh, before we became Christians, there were a lot of things that our lives were being spent for, a lot of things we wanted to accomplish. Maybe we wanted to be president of the United States someday or something. I don't know. I never did. But sometimes we have these big goals, you know, that we want to uh, try and reach. But there has to be something in our lives that has reached the proportion of importance that nothing else seems to matter. And when we become a Christian and when, uh, uh, when the seed uh, falls on good soil and stands for those who are noble and good and hear and keep the word, when that really happens, there is now a brand new focus on our lives in which whenever we come up against a situation, we don't really know what to do. We have someone to go to and ask. We can always go to Jesus because he never leaves us and he never forsakes us. We got a new value system. Some of you remember this and some of you uh, have yet to look forward to it. So maybe it's just a little piece of advice for you. Do you remember 
the time when you used to have, uh, used to spend a lot of time with different friends here and there, and sometimes they became almost permanent friends, and you just didn't want to lose them, and you looked forward to being around them. But one of these days, something else is going to happen. One of these days, you're going to meet a special person. And that special person is something which in your own heart, you know that you're going to want to spend the rest of your life with. You won't lose these old friends, but now you are adopting a different value system. And now something is happening in your heart and when you focus upon this new person, uh, it becomes more urgent than anything in your life that you want to do everything that you can to please that person, to make them happy, and to make it possible for them to love you in return. You've got a new value system. When Mary Magdalene met Jesus and he removed seven demons out of her life, she had a new value system. A lot of other things that used to matter didn't matter anymore. She just wanted to live her life to please Jesus. That's what Jesus needs to grow his church. He needs that kind of people. People who are so focused in upon him because he has actually, when he enabled us to be born again, he has actually fulfilled everything that kind of got us started along this path in the first place. He'll never leave me or forsake me. He'll always be there for me. I can call upon him anytime I want to. Well, that's what you and I to give, uh, need to give us the only life that will bring purpose and the only kind of life that will cause us to be completely satisfied and at peace. If you're hunting for it somewhere else, it isn't there. It just isn't there. So that's what I had to share with you today. I wanted you to know that life can be meaningful. It can have a purpose that you can commit yourself to. It will become so important and dominating in your life that you never think about going back to the old way that you used to live. And I want you to know that Jesus is still there today and Jesus can be yours today. Thank you.